0: It's Bible study time, and this is my Bible. I believe it's God's Word. I believe every word is true, and it's all that I need. You know, we left last week with the brothers really in a state of of bitterness and calloused, hard hearts. I mean, who who would, first of all, even say, Let's, let's throw them in a pit, and let's kill them. And then, well, then one brother comes and said, well, let's not kill them, but let's sell them. And so, you know, you've got, what kind of heart does that? And so this is where we left last week, and we, we, we saw that they were, again, going to deceive their father, They were going to deceive him by telling him that Joseph was killed by a ferocious animal and here's his bloody coat. I mean, what kind of heart is that? So I think Jacob's family, their middle name is Deceit. And they have been deceiving from the get-go. And it is coming back to bite them. And yet, and yet, meanwhile, God is working. He said this so many times. He uses broken people. And he is using people that, that you would look at this in the of their heart and you would think how could God use those kind of people and yet he uses you, he uses me. He has a way of taking our bad choices and turning them out for good and using them for his purpose. I mean we we can just see grace and mercy and faithfulness and patience. Meanwhile, Joseph's in Egypt, and God is working. Now we take, in this chapter, we take a little sidetrack. And we are starting to see how God is going to shape up a heart of Judah. Now, Judah has been chosen to be in the line of Christ. And yet, you you, you look at this chapter and you think, oh my goodness, this this is the worst, isn't it? And yet, he's in the line of Jesus. So God is working on him. No, know, you said this so many times. God takes us the way we are. He knows we are just helpless sinners. And yet he is willing to work on us and to take us and love us unconditionally and then mold us and make us into what he wants us to be. So, this chapter, he is going to work on Judah. Now, first question I asked you was, what could have caused Judah to be in such a dark place? I mean, he, he just up and left. He left his family. He, he is alone, basically. He, 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 he's just, he's just, gone. So at that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of a named Hera. So, I don't know, maybe they were friends, I don't know, but he leaves his family and takes off. Now, what could have caused him to do something like that? What could have stopped? What, what did he do one day? At you know, said, "I'm leaving this. Maybe, maybe he was fed up, fed up with deceit. Maybe he couldn't look at his dad anymore, knowing how they lied to him. Maybe it was guilt. Maybe it was shame." Maybe he couldn't even look at himself in the mirror anymore. And he just had to get out of there. And so he is in a whole other area. He's away from his family. And there he met a daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. Now we have to address bad choices when we're in a state of of guilt or shame or down or defeated or disappointed or depressed or or just life is hard and we have to decide when we are in that state of life Maybe no one's fault. It's just the way circumstances are and you're in that place and you have to decide, okay, how, how am I going to act? How am I going to react to life in this state? One of two choices you have. In fact, I'm going to get a little personal a minute. I have a, I have a beautiful aunt and she is almost 90 and we've always been close and I just talked to her just a few minutes ago and she has gotten to the point in life where her mind is not working the way it should and she thinks She's fine and she's not. And so her children, who love her, her husband is gone. So she's alone and she's starting to fall and get sick. And, and so, you know, they want to they take her to a place where she'll be cared for and safe. Many of you have been there, you know. But she has gotten to the point of bitterness and anger. And, well, she's not seen straight. And that's what happens sometimes when we, we don't want to go, we don't want to move forward into the next step of our lives and deal with it. And I tried to tell her today you have one of two choices. You can either go into this and accepting that this is life for you right now. It's not going to get better. I don't mean to be mean, but you can either look at it like she says, Well, I wonder if your boys came to you and said, You can't live here anymore. I'm taking you somewhere else. I said to her, I said, you know what, I'm praying already now before it happens. Is that somehow, some someway, I will, I will trust that the Lord will help me to accept the conditions and know that my boys are doing what's best for me. And try to make the best of it. I said, how about count, let's count your blessings today. Let's just name them. Let's just see how many things God has done for you. How about how about choosing to be happy? Not in the circumstance, but in your blessings. How about let's try that? And she wouldn't hear of it. She's miserable. It just saddens my heart. And I'm thinking as I was doing this today, I thought it's pretty much like all of us. When we hit a wall in life and it's out of our control, we could either go down with it and just watch ourselves just turn into dark difficult, demanding, down-defeated people. What does that sound like? Does that sound like a good way to live? Or you can choose to say, this is life. God's promised he'll never leave me. He will be by my side no matter where my kids choose to put me, because ain't always best for me. That, That I can see God's hand maybe making a way that I didn't expect, but maybe there's a person there that I can somehow show them life can be still full of joy. I can still sing when peace like a river tendeth my way and sorrow like sea billows roll. I can still sing "It is well with my soul. Because nothing could change that. When we know Jesus and when we choose to Look to him, no one can take our joy away from us. But we have to choose it. We have to put ourselves aside and, well, enough about my story, but I see Judah here. And he, he is in a dark place in life. Yeah, yeah, his has been brought about by his own, you know, family and and brothers and choices. But now, how is he going to deal with it? Wouldn't it have been wonderful if Judah, in his state of grief or guilt or shame or fed-upness, Wouldn't it have been wonderful if he would have just went to God and said, oh my, I really made a huge mistake. I tried, but I didn't stand up for what I know should have been. I tried to make things a little better, but I should have stood up for Joseph. This was not the way to handle it, and I am so sorry. Wouldn't it have been wonderful if he would have done that? That was a choice he could have made. But in his dark place, if you do not go to the light, the one who... who can turn truth on and remind you of what God has promised you and what you know you have learned from his word. You can choose that. You can choose to sing he deemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child forever, I am. Do you know we can sing that song and know it's true no matter what life is throwing at us? Or it can be, I, like Judah. And you know what happened here to him? He left. He took away from the Canaanites. Now he, he knew better. You know why he's in such a dark place? Because he didn't go to God. And if you do, if you do not go to God, you are going to stay in that dark place, and it's only going to get darker. And you don't even care anymore. You don't even care what happens. You don't even care about your choices. Because I know he knew better. I know he knew better than to choose a Canaanite wife. He had to have heard the story about Isaac knowing he, he went to it went to his people how how his father um how his grandfather Abraham how his grandfather went to um his servant and said I need you to go to our family line and choose a wife for Isaac. And then a beautiful story of Isaac meeting Rebecca. And then you have to know that you he the story about his dad, his father Jacob. Listening to his dad say, don't pick a Canaanite woman. And he goes to Aben and works for Rachel, but then gets Leah, and, and well, you know that story. But they knew better. And why? Why, why was that such a strict order? I did... Why did Abraham care so much for Isaac in that respect? How come Isaac cared so much for his boys? And I mean, it it was right in our story weeks ago about how it just hurt them so much when they knew Esau took a wife of the Canaanites. Oh, Isaac and Rebecca were such, or our hearts were pained because Esau just took a wife from the Canaanites. So this has been an issue for, you know, a couple generations now, quite a few in fact, and so why, why does he not care and just take a wife from the Canaanites? See, he didn't go to God when he was in this dark place. So he married this woman, and he with her, first 3, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son who was named Ur. She conceived and gave birth to a son and named him Onan. And she gave birth to still another son and named him Shelah. It was at Kisbib that she gave birth to him. Now, in this chapter, there's many years. I mean, this isn't happening overnight. I mean, this... Obviously, is many years. So for six, Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. Now, Tamar, we really don't know much about her. We, I, I, you know, there's different opinions, but what I came up with is that Tamar is a Hebrew name. Could it be that Judah did know better, and when it came to his son, he wanted to follow what God had said? I mean, I don't know for sure, but why would a Canaanite name their daughter a Hebrew name? So maybe Judah went looking and found Tamar. But when she married Ur, then he was so wicked in the Lord's sight that the Lord put him to death. Verse 7. I mean, you have instant judgment. So... Dies and then in the culture, the next brother is to take the wife of the first brother and conceive with her and have a child with her, but then that child would not be his, but it would carry on the name of the first. Well, Onan, he was next in line, and Judah said to him, "Now I want you to lie with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to produce an offspring for your brother. Verse 9, I'm telling you, deceit just seems to pour out of them like it's no problem at all so he concocts this plan to to be able to have have sex with his sister-in-law but without without the responsibility So he knew that this offspring would not be his, and so let's just play around. But I know how to keep this from turning into what I don't want it to. What he did, verse 10, is so wicked in the Lord's sight. So he too was put to death. Well, then, verse 11, Judah then said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, apparently, Sheila was young. And so he said to her, live as a widow in your father's house until my son, Sheila, grows up. But see, even in his mind, he's thinking, I don't know, what I think we have a jinx here. I don't want to lose my third boy. So he tells her one thing, and yet he's thinking, "Uh uh-uh, it's not going to happen. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. And after a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. And when Judah had recovered from his grief, he went up to Temna to the men who were sharing his sheep, and his friend Hera, the Adullamite, went with him. So we have this picture. Years have gone by, and Judah's wife passes away, and now he and his friend are... Just together, and they are going to go shear some sheep. And then, verse 13, and Tamar was told, Her father in law is on his way to Timnah to shear his sheep. She took off her widow's clothes, covered herself, and then sat down at the entrance to Naam, which is on the road. To Timna. For see, she could see, she could see that though so Sheila had now grown up, she had not been given him as his wife. So she knows Judah did not do her right. Now, here again, just assumption. If Tamar really were, if she really was a Hebrew, then she might have known about the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And maybe she wanted to be in that line. See, she really had no responsible, she really couldn't do anything about her situation. She couldn't marry any other man at this point because she, she really was under the leadership of Judah yet. So whether she was just angry about that or I'm thinking she knew and desired and was determined to stay in that line And she had to come up. She was desperate enough. She had to come up with a plan. And so she put two and two together. Knew Judah's wife had died. Knew his dark place. Knew he was with his friend on his way to Timnah. And he would have to go by this place called a So she figures out, she it says here, she saw that Sheila had grown and she wasn't given him and so when Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute. She had taken off her widow clothes, of course. She had covered her face And not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law. He went over to her and said, come now, let me sleep with you. She knew that this man would be vulnerable and was not in the right place. So, and a man and had needs, and she figured out. I think I know how to get him. So she had timed right. She knew where to place herself, and she was right. She was right on it. So when he said. Come now, let me sleep with you. Then she asked, well, what will you give me if I do? Oh, I'll send you a young goat from my flock, he said. Well, she's thinking, okay, how am I going to know for sure? So will you give me something, to a pledge of some type until I get my goat? So he said, well, name it, what do you want? Tell you, this girl, she figured this out and she said, I want your seal, its cord, and the staff in your hand. So he gave them to her and slept with her and she became pregnant by him. After she left, she took off her veil and put on her widow clothes again. And meanwhile, meanwhile, Judah sent, I mean, he's good on his word, got us And Oh, so he sent the young goat by his friend, the light in order to get his pledge back from the woman. But his friend didn't find Tamar. So he asked the men who lived there, where is the shrine prostitute who is beside the road at Naam? Oh, there, isn't, there hasn't been any shrine prostitute here, they said. So he went back to Judah and said, I didn't find her. Besides, the men who lived there said, there hasn't been any shrine prostitute here. Then Judah said, "Ah, let her keep what she has, or we'll become laughing stock. After all, I did send her this young goat, but she didn't. But she did. But you didn't find her. So, hey, we know I tried." About three months later, Judah was told, "Your daughter-in-law Tamar is." guilty of prostitution, and as a result, she is now pregnant. Oh, Jesus said, bring her out, have her burned to death. And as she was being brought out, can you picture, did you put yourself in the story? Did you just picture Tamar walking out with that pledge, that she was given by Judah. They think she's walking out to be burned to death. And she sent a message to her father-in-law saying, I am pregnant, by the man who owns these, she said. And she added, see if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff they are. Oh, verse 26, see, when you're in this story, can you even imagine Judah's face? Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I won't give her to my son, Sheila, and he did not sleep with her again. He knew he was wrong. I think verse 26 is such a life-changing verse. It's horrible. It's, it's um, like Judah saw himself and his sin and his waywardness. It was right there in front of him. God used Tamar. I don't care. I mean, she, obviously, this was probably, well, I know it wasn't what God would have chosen, but when they're not asking him. But yet, the kind of God we serve, he can use this. And he could see Tamar's heart. Kind of like Ahab. Ahab which he lied, God can see our hearts even in the middle of our sin, and he, he can see potential. He can see if we mean it. He can, he can tell whether he can work with that kind of heart. He knew he could work with Tamar. Her ways were wrong, but he saw her motive. He saw she meant well. And God used her in a mighty way to expose Judah for who he has gotten himself to be by his bad choices. I don't think Judah was ever the same after this. It's like God got him around the neck and made him look and see. But see, that is exactly what God does when it comes to salvation. See, I can't help but bring the gospel message into this. I mean, God will take every one of us just as we are, but he will show us ourself and he will show us our need for a savior to the point that we can't get to the cross fast enough except his arms open. God so loved us that he gave us that cross and his son that whoever is willing to see themselves for their need of Savior and they come to him, their life change. It will not perish and have everlasting life. God saw Tamar's heart God saw Judah's heart. And yet we see them as such horrific people, broken people in the dark. And yet light comes in and is able to change everything. That's what... That's what God wants from every one of us. No matter what our past is like, no matter who we think we are, maybe, he will bring us all to Calvary at the same level and show us ourselves. And he can and will change everything if we are willing, if we choose to see. This time in verse 26, Judah saw this seal, this cord, this staff, and he had nowhere to go. It was right there in front of him. And sometimes that's what it takes Right there in front of us, we can't come up with any more excuses. We can't help it but see what we need. It's right in front of us, and his name is Jesus. God saw, that's why Judah was picked. God saw there was potential there. He saw a softness and you can't help you can't you can't help but in in the book of Matthew in the genealogy Tamar one of the five women in the line of Christ Judah and Tamar and then of course Perez but When I went to Matthew and I saw those names there, I'm thinking, what a God we have who can see our heart and yet take us the way we are and yet work on that heart and expose us for what we are. So we come to him. Well, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb, and she was given birth. And this is quite unusual, is not it? And one of them put out his hand first, and then the midwife took a scarf tied it on his wrist, and said, this one came out first. But, but then, it's like his little hand went back into the womb, and his brother came out first instead and he was named Perez. Then the next twin came out with a little scarlet thread around his wrist. And his name was Zira. What a story that now we're gonna watch keep unfolding. But in your questions, I had you look up Romans 12. I mean, we have a God who can take our total darkness of time, our total bad choices, and, and turn them for good. I know he can do that. But this verse that Paul tells us in in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul saying, when you really comprehend what God did to save you and me. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, this is what God wants most of all from us, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Oh, how God loves our worship. And it's not just singing praise songs with our hand in the air. According to Paul, our best worship is when we offer ourselves back to him to use us However, wherever, whenever he chooses. And then verse two, this whole chapter could have could have been totally different. If Judah in his dark place chose to go to the Lord and hear the Lord say, Judah. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, come to me. Come to me, and, and you have to choose, make a choice to put the world aside in your natural human choices, your anger, your anger bitterness, or I don't care, I'm fed up. No, Paul says, don't conform to the normal ways a human nature wants to go. That your emotions get bigger than your faith, and, and then you keep going down that path, and just give up, and don't conform to the world. But his word, his promises, what you have learned can transform you, can transform your mind, even though your circumstances might not change, but your attitude will. That's what I was trying to tell my aunt. Try to, try to let the Lord, pray, pray that the Lord will, will transform your mind. Let him, because I know he wants to. Let your mind be transformed so your attitude is such that a whole different behavior comes out. Then that verse goes on and says, When you have a different mindset, when you're willing to step aside and let the Lord take over your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. There's nothing better than being in the center of God's will. But you've got to choose it, you've got to surrender to it. Look what Paul says his will is it's good, it's pleasing. And it's perfect. We should want our own will. We should not conform to our own ways, but be willing to say, or transform my mind. So I want your will instead of my own. I might not like this. I wish I could control it, but I can't. This is what I'm living in right now. Now, Lord, help me to transform my mind through the power of Your Spirit. So then I can seek Your will, and not my own. I think I think Judah would have been better off. Of course, we will be better off. God is always trying to. Keep us from ourselves so that we don't fall into that mess and the consequences of our bad choices. He's trying out of his love for us to keep us from trouble. So, even though, even though he took this story and oh, he used it mightily, I think we should learn something. Before we get in that dark state of despair, that we run to him, see, they didn't. God's name isn't mentioned again in this chapter, but we know now we've learned what happens when you don't mention His name. We go to him and say, "Because of what you've done for me." I'm offering myself and my situation and my circumstances. I'm offering them to you, knowing you can and will transform my mind so I can accept your good, pleasing, and perfect will. Corey Ten Boom said something that I wanna end with today. She said, if you look to the world for your answers, you'll be distressed. If you look to yourself for your answers, you'll be depressed. But if you look to Jesus, and his word for your answer. You'll be at rest. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. But thanks for this lesson that teaches us that life happens, but we have choices. What can happen when we choose our own mood and feelings and emotions. What messes we can get ourselves in or if we just come to you knowing that your whole goal is to change us, change our mind, change our attitudes. We know how to deal with life. Oh, I just can make enough of these lessons that make it so clear how you want us to live so much freer that we can live life to the fullest even to the end if we desire if we are desperate to want your will good, pleasing and perfect will may we want nothing but. And we pray this all in Jesus' name who makes this all possible. Amen.